Counseling the Immature on this edition of Truth and Love. Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I have with me Dr. Daniel Schubert. He's a graduate with a Doctor of Ministry in Biblical Counseling from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he has a Master's of Divinity degree from the Master's Seminary. He currently serves as the counseling pastor at Countryside Bible Church in South Lake, Texas. Prior to serving at Countryside, he served at the Master's University as a graduate teaching fellow in the MABC program. In addition to his work at the university, Daniel served in the counseling department at Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. He and his wife, Heidi, have two daughters and a son, Annabelle, Elliot, and Ruth. Daniel, so good to have you uh, on the podcast today. Yeah, Dale, it's great to be with you. Now, we're going to talk about this issue of immaturity. And I, man, I think this is a really critical piece because we need to discern these types of things. One of the things I, I talk to my intro students about as I teach there in, in Kansas City is when a person comes into the office and, and we're sitting down to do intake with the person, we, we, we want to discern... Our counsel will take different routes if this person is an unbeliever or if this person is immature or if this person is mature. And yes, mature people have problems. That's true. But if this person is immature, that's significant because now we, we, we know a little bit more about how we're going to approach this person. So I want you to help us to consider some of the different challenges that we face in the counseling room and how we identify when we are counseling someone who is immature. Yeah, of course. As, as we think about maturity, it's helpful to think about the two-part nature of man, both uh, the physical and the spiritual, since uh, both, there could be immaturities in either part. As I think about spiritual immaturity, I'd, I'd define it as any want or lack of conformity to the image or likeness of Jesus. And so as we think about his kindness, his patience, his mercy, compassion, humility, wisdom, uh, any lack to whatever degree it is, we would be spiritually immature. But we can also look to the physical, or you could say developmentally immature, and the way we might define that is, is any want or lack of conformity to adult societal norms in relation to cognitive, emotional, or, or social abilities. And of course, we could also compare kids and how they develop over time as well compared to their peers. But this most often is seen in, in children, just as they, you know, as they're younger, they have they need time to develop and, and mature. And in Ephesians 4, 14 to 15, we can see this. Uh, spoken of both these realities, uh, Paul mentions there in verse 14, chapter four, he says, as a result, we are no longer to be children. So likely the we is speaking to adults in the congregation and referring to children, right? Spiritually immature. He said, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, or we could say mature, in all aspects into him who is the head, even to Christ. And so to answer the question even more directly, how do we identify when we are counseling someone who's immature? If we consider these definitions, when we are counseling the immature, we typically think about somebody that has increased challenges or difficulties, okay, that they bring into the counseling situation because of their immaturities, right, that we've just mentioned. Yeah, and, and they're lacking several things, potentially, it, from a spiritual standpoint. When we think about those who are mature, as we mentioned, as you mentioned, Ephesians 4, we're measuring them according to the standard of Christ. The writer of Hebrews describes maturity this way, but, but solid food is for the mature, 
for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish, and this is really important, that which is good and that which is evil. That's Hebrews 5.14. And so we have a definition of what it means to be mature. So, so you can even start to imagine right? What, what you're going to experience in a counseling room with someone who's not mature. They, they struggle in their discernment. They struggle in defining good from God's perspective, in defining evil from God's perspective. They're, they might have a cultural perspective here on what is good and evil, and, and we need to, to help them. So I want you to tell me some of the, the challenges that we will see maybe in an increased way or difficulties that you've faced when in the counseling room helping those who are immature? Yeah, some of the more common ones I think would be a lack of discipline or diligence in completing homework. That's a pretty common one. So much could be said about that, but you know, they just maybe even in general in their life just don't have disciplines going. And so that can make things much more difficult. I think a lack of basic Bible knowledge, you know, you ask someone to turn to the book of John and they turn to the concordance. And so you know that you can't use certain words and that you may have to check with them to make sure that they're understanding certain concepts. Another common one can be finger pointing instead of personal responsibility when dealing with conflict. You know, it's your fault. You've done this. You've done that. It, when there are responsibility on both sides. And so that can make things much more difficult for people to be able to see and, and address issues. Another common one is counselees arguing in counseling rooms, having to break that up. You can know too that what's whatever is going on at home typically is is worse than that. But maybe some less common ones would be, you know, counselees talking over you or trying to lead the session. You know, they they're coming to you for help, but for some reason they want to still fix the issues that are going on in their lives. Someone getting up and walking out of a session can be a part of that or threatening. I've had people walk halfway out and argue or making false accusations about you or another person, another counselor, that could be incredibly difficult. I think one that I've had too is, and a very specific one is a, a spouse taking their other, other spouse's homework, finding the answers, crossing out the answers they didn't like, and writing in their own answers that they thought they should have answered. And so, you know, things like that, uh, just big picture, um, these are some of the immaturities that can make counseling much more difficult. Yeah, and it definitely adds to adds to the complexity and adds, as you mentioned, to the difficulty. When we think about immaturity, you know, it could be because of sinful neglect. It could be because of ignorance, as you mentioned, of the scripture. It could be of passions and desires that are uh, stronger in their heart and mind in this moment than than a desire to pursue the Lord. You mentioned a lack of discipline and reading and prayer and that sort of thing. But let's take a look at the big picture as we think about those who are immature. As we come alongside those who are immature and provide counsel, what are some of the key considerations that we should seek to help them in? Yeah, I think just as counselors, you know, one of the biggest things that we should consider is like uh, an encouragement in First Thessalonians 5.14 where it says, be patient with everyone. And of course, that's not just talking to people who are easy to work with. It's, it's talking about everyone, even the, the difficult to work with. And so just being patient. I think can can go a long way. Love is patient. And so as we even prepare our helps to come alongside and help them and serve them, we have to be willing to come down to where they're at currently and be willing to serve them in that place. And so patience, I think, is really key. I think in our, our side of things, a servant's heart. You know, if, if you're going to be patient, you also have to have a servant's heart to go that extra mile with them ultimately. Uh, Jesus said in Mark 10, 45, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that can be really hard since the immature things that counselors do can be challenging not to take personally. 
okay, as a drag on our our time or maybe the difficulty, you know, they say, oh, gosh, if they weren't doing this, it wouldn't be nearly as complicated or hard or, or difficult. And so um, like the, the illustration I gave with the, the counselee's homework, it can be hard, but we have to have a servant's heart to say, you know what, this is where they're at. And Lord, help me to serve and to care for them where they are. I think lastly, too, uh, just like what you mentioned in terms of discernment, we have to provide wise and helpful teaching. Romans 2.20 says, speaking of Jews in that context, they were teachers of the immature, or uh, going back to Ephesians 4.15, you know, that were to, to speak the truth in love to people so that they can grow up into all aspects, even him, like Christ-likeness. And so look, when you look at these two passages, the immature need to be taught truth. And so, and we need to approach that with a patience, right? A love right, for them, a servant's heart for them. And so, you know, it may go without saying, teach them, but it's so foundational that I think it's important just to be reminded of. So often when there's immaturity, that immaturity significantly complicates counseling and we can feel discouraged or maybe like there's no fix or out to some of these difficult issues. You know, people, counselors who aren't doing their homework are making things much more difficult. But all it really means is instead of being discouraged by it, is that we have another issue that needs to be spoken into in a loving, caring, servant-hearted manner. And so we need to look for how the Bible addresses those issues, right, that they face, that we face in the counseling room so that we can address those areas of immaturity. Yeah, and that, that's helpful. And to be honest, we all at some point were immature and we struggled with immaturity. And, you know, that shouldn't ever be very far from our mind in being patient and learning to be patient with those who are sitting in front of us. Now, as we look at Scripture, of course, the Bible, Paul in the New Testament especially, uses this metaphor of of growing, being an infant as we come to faith, and then growing up to, to maturity to become a spiritual man and a spiritual adult, right, as we grow. So as we look at Scripture, what are some of the other lessons that we learn practically as we minister to those who are immature? Yeah, I think you know, as we look at just growing in the Christ likeness, we could look at the whole of the scripture, of course. But I think one letter in particular that's helpful is First Corinthians. You know, we could look at that in some ways as a as a case study, right, to counseling and coming alongside the immature. And so, you know, we need to, need to address, and as Paul does in his letter, very specific concerns and needs in each person's life. And so, you look at the very beginning of that letter, there were factions, there were divisions. And so, Paul walks through, as they said, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas. In chapter two and three and four, and he helps them to think rightly about God's servants. And so he addresses those immaturities in their thinking, right, their discernment by walking through very specific realities that speak to those immaturities. And so I think that's really important as we, you know, address people, that person that I mentioned with the spouse's homework. You know, there's a lot of passages we could probably go to, but Matthew 7 is a big one. I think two to five, just helping them understand the priority and to focus on their contribution first. If, if they're not going to look at how they're contributing, right, just, just that simple fact of taking the homework and scribbling out the answers. I mean, I looked at the spouse's face when they handed me the homework and to show me what their spouse did, and I thought they were just discouraged by that. And so it's, it's provocative, at the very least, them doing something like that. And so walking through that passage or 1 Corinthians 13, just to help them understand that very specifically is going to help. But I think some general lessons that we learn as well, too, is that Paul did not shy away from confronting sin. And so you look at uh, verse 10, he mentions specifically the Corinthian sin, that there were divisions. 
And then in verse 3 of chapter 3, he also confronts their fleshliness because there was strife among them. And so that was a direct confrontation. He wasn't going to shy away from just telling them the truth lovingly while also providing answers and help right in the surrounding context. And some of that help, I believe, he provided in the first chapter uh, by encouraging humility. I think that was a huge one that he accomplished. And so you look at verse 4, and the specific way he did that, I think, was, was by pointing them to the gospel. And so he, he mentions the gospel of Christ in verse 4 and verse 17 in chapter 1 speaking specifically about that, then walks through how not many were wise, not many were noble, right? Speaking about their calling in verse 30, he talks about it's by his doing that you're in Christ Jesus. And so, you know, no, no Corinthian was going to read that and say, wow, you know, I'm just going to think really highly of myself, but he's going to have his mind directed towards Christ, what he's done for them. And so I think just ministering the gospel is an important aspect of encouraging humility. And so Oftentimes in my counseling, or I'd say almost always when I counsel, uh, we do testimony. We understand that they're the believer as best as we can discern, but also too in the second session or you know kind of around there, we'll walk to the gospel. And you know the gospel is not just for Christians. It's it's not just for for people to to be justified, but it's also an encouragement towards maturity in our lives to have our minds focused on Christ and to be humbled and to live for Him. And so I think Paul does that by going over the gospel and and also too by encouraging love and so in chapter 13 you know i think that we all know that famous chapter but the context again is the immaturity of the christian of the corinthian church and so he wanted to help them in verses 1 to 3 see the centrality and the importance of love you know without it everything's worthless and then he walks through in verses 4 to 7 talking about what love is and and what love isn't and so all this to say, so often immature people are self-centered and therefore need, need good teaching right, on humility and love to help them to love God and to love other people. Daniel, a few days ago, I was uh, giving a little bit of a talk and I had a Q&A time, which I love. I love interacting with people as I'm teaching or talking about something, just, just to see how the information is hitting them and, and the questions that they might have. Oddly, a question that I'm about to ask you came up about ending counseling and terminating counseling. And now we've talked already about being patient and as a counselor, how we need to be patient with those who are immature and long suffering and, and tender, even with those who, Romans 15, 1, uh, you who are spiritual, bear with the failings of the weak. We're, we're called to do this in scripture. But I, I think as counselors, we always want to consider, is there a point where it might be good or right for us to end counseling because of this immaturity. Yes, I think one of the biggest signs that counseling needs to end is a person is not taking steps really to change. And this, you know, in my mind, can be measured in whether or not they're willing not only to come to counseling consistently, faithfully, but also, too, if they're willing to do homework. And so uh, we want to assign homework that is applicable, that's helpful, that's you know, at their, at their level that really serves them well, that they understand is going to be useful in their lives. And if all, all those things are, are true, and maybe some more that I'm not thinking of, and they're not really willing to commit themselves to working through those things, and that might be a, a really clear indicator to end counseling. And so, but we want to approach that with grace, I think, but also with firmness as well, too, because, you know, grace, there can be so many issues that can possibly prevent them. Maybe they had a really busy week. Maybe it was hard. Maybe there was 
misunderstanding of what the homework was for. Maybe they didn't get my email. I mean, all, all kinds of things, you know, that may have happened. And so I want to understand, you know, first what happened and try to encourage them, help them and be patient with them. Sometimes people that are immature have, have never really seriously done work on these issues. And so we want to be patient. We want to encourage and we want to spend time to do that. But we also want to be firm because we love them. And if they're going to work through the issues in their life, they have to be willing to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, right? God's going to help them to grow and change. But if they're not going to discipline themselves to sit down and, and review the passages that we went over in counseling and to seek to make changes in their life in light of the truths that we've been going over, right? And to apply that to their lives, that they're not really going to grow and change. And so I want to be gracious, but I also want to be firm because at the end of the day, it serves them well in both areas to encourage and help them to think about it that way. And so in my mind, if they're not willing to pursue the homework, to do it diligently, and at least are growing in that area, then that communicates to me that they're not really ready. They don't really want counseling. Yeah, no, those are helpful categories. Uh, the way I want to end this is maybe a little bit different than we than we normally do. Uh, a lot of times I may ask you in, in a case like this to speak specifically to the person who's struggling with some immaturity and, and how, to, how to help them just give them some, some biblical wisdom on how to move forward. At this time, though, I, I want to ask you to speak to the counselor. As a counselor is enduring and maybe struggling to minister to a person who is immature, what practical advice would you give them? You have an opportunity to train counselors at your church and oversee some of the counseling that happens at your church. What type of advice would you give to the counselor who's struggling with a, a person who's immature? Yeah, I think leaning on other wise friends, other pastors or pastors at your church, people you know, elders at your church. I mean, of course, depending on the situation, you know, we want to be wise and discerning with that, but we are a part of the body of Christ. And for that reason, we need each other. And so perspective and encouragement that we can receive from others is so important. And so I think that's one aspect of it. I also too want to uh, think through, uh, we could call it the trial, okay, that we endure as we work with a person who's immature, as we kind of suffer under, maybe you could say that, the difficulty they bring into our lives because of, of that really is coming from the Lord. It's not necessarily coming directly from them, but coming from God's hand. And so it's an opportunity to really grow and change. One wise older counselor once told me that we're a whole lot more like our counselees than we are like Jesus. And so that's been an encouragement and a challenge to me to, to be patient, to be loving, and to look to God's purposes that he would have in my life in particular. And I think the last thing I'd say is, is in light of all that, you know, we have to remember Christ. You know, we, because of our immaturity, caused a significantly greater trial than anything that we could ever possibly endure okay, by any counselee that come into our office, okay, or that we'd meet at Starbucks. By our immaturity, we placed Christ ultimately on the cross. And so as we encounter people who are difficult to work with, I think we have to come before the throne of grace to receive help in a time of need. And, you know, the Lord will absolutely provide that, will encourage us and help us. And so we need to look to others. We certainly need to look to the Lord to provide and to help and to strengthen and for what he might want to do and work in our lives in particular through this challenging situation. And what greater joy that we would have than to make disciples as the Lord tells us and, and that we would take joy in making disciples. And what that means is that you're taking a person who maybe has just come to faith 
working them through maturity to, as Paul talks about in Colossians 1.28, to maturity, to perfection, to completion, if you will. And what a great joy it is to labor in that way for the sake of the name of Christ. Daniel, this has been really helpful and, and a real issue that we struggle with often in counseling. But it's one of the reasons we engage in counseling. We want to see immature people become mature in Christ. Brother, thanks for helping us think through this. Yeah, it's been great to be with you. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. I want to remind you about our counseling and discipleship trainings today. In the spring of 2024, we will be in three particular locations in Austin, Texas, Abilene, Texas, and also Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm really excited about the way the Lord uses our counseling and discipleship trainings to minister to churches and help churches move in the process along to becoming training centers. So I want to encourage you, if you're around the area, you've been thinking about doing in-person training, what a wonderful opportunity you have to join us at one of our CDTs, our counseling and discipleship trainings. This is our fundamentals for ACBC certification. And we want to invite you to come to join us at Austin, Abilene, or Tulsa. We would love to see you there. And for those of you who may be interested in doing CDTs in the future, you see a need of biblical counseling. Your church would like to host us in one of these events. We would love to talk to you. You can send us an email at infobiblicalcounseling.com.